Hello and welcome to the Creativity Conference's official podcast. My name is Aidan Rode and in this podcast I'll be discussing all aspects of creativity with some world-class creative minds. We are lucky enough to have joining us as speakers for our upcoming conference in Reykjavik, Iceland. Today I am joined by Thomas Tomskar Ridgewell, who is a British writer, filmmaker and YouTube juggernaut with almost 10 million subscribers and over 2 billion views across his multiple channels. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, how are you doing today? Thank you, thank you for having me. Uh, that it's a very generous, uh, that, that, that almost is doing a lot of uh, heavy lifting there. Almost 10 million subscribers. It's not like I'm closing that gap fast. It's, it's, I'm quite settled on my seven. Uh, that's, it's, it's, and it, I'm, I'm very happy with the seven. I'd like that diamond play button. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done the whole YouTube thing for going on 15 years now. Um, and you've, you've dabbled in other projects over the time. Um, what are some of your current creative projects that you're working on that make you particularly excited to get out of bed and work on in the morning? As you say, I've been doing stuff online for so long on, on YouTube. I mean, I started, uh, I, I made my YouTube account when I was 15 years old, which is, which most kids today would go, that's quite late. Uh, but that was, you know, in, in 2006, and I've been doing it ever since. And uh, even before that, I was posting on any website that would would allow content you know the early days of web 2.0 so uh these days the things that excite me are just kind of anything different um obviously i still love making youtube videos i still love posting uh things online but the opportunity to do other things i will always jump at we made a card game um which we released in the middle of a pandemic you know like a smart business person to be fair we didn't know the pandemic was going to happen um but you know video games board games uh comic books anything that's different i i, I want to try my hand at everything and do everything else at least once so how did the pandemic affect your overall creativity and your workflows did you find that um it put in hurdles in place and you were creatively stifled or did you overcome the creative challenges and find that you were overall enabled like a lot of YouTubers, I was in an extremely fortunate and unique position when the pandemic hit to be pretty much unaffected. You know, it, it was quite easy to transition into exclusively remote work. Uh, I mean, right now I'm sitting in my home studio, which very fortunately I set up uh, towards the end of 2019. So there was pretty much nothing to it to keep going through the pandemic. Theoretically. Uh, however, I think like a lot of other people, it did hit me like a truck creatively and a lot of that momentum was really stifled. It was frustrating because obviously I'm looking around and I know that we could we could keep going, but pandemic, uh, it just kind of made, made, made me not want to. But I, I still was very proud of the stuff that we did uh, during those lockdowns. We, we created a few new series um, remotely. I... I I was, I feel a bit embarrassed in that I, I wasn't one of the first creators to trailblaze shooting things remotely. I noticed a lot of other YouTubers uh, start very early on into the pandemic and the audiences kind of rejected it. Um, like they used to reject ad reads um, because it was different. And so everyone felt like it's going to go back to how it was very soon. So no one wanted to really consume that kind of content. So I kind of laid low for a couple months 
or at least what felt like it uh, until audiences had fully accepted the idea of things being remote and then came back and went hey I'm doing it too video wise it didn't change things at all um I think the biggest toll was mentally uh I developed a lot of ADHD or at least ADHD adjacent uh symptoms and that made creativity a massive challenge um mostly if nothing else because the distraction machine was now where was that was now the place i had to work at um you know when, when i'm a writer and when i write i need I, I kind of ideally need to not be on a computer i will um you know sketch out everything on, on on paper first every script every joke every structure i'll write down and only when it's all there can i actually turn and face a computer um because the work's already done i've just got to type it up but now i had to you know talk to my team through a webcam and mentally i process them as distractions so they were no different to watching a, a vlog almost uh, and it made it very difficult to think straight and focus on work which was not great so i was very glad when i could see people again and, and work somewhat how i used to yes and there's a lot can be said about uh, a creatively stimulating environment and people spend lots of time and money on buying big fancy studios and making it so it's the most you know creatively efficient way to just get things done um how do you feel about that with you know your home studio and obviously your your office where you shoot a lot of things do you um really find that your environment has to be this really conducive place or can you sort of create anywhere i i have found that with spaces that i find creative they have a shelf life um maybe maybe it's a year or two years where you know i'm in this new space and suddenly i just feel re-energized and i'm I'm just I'm, I'm powering through and then yeah maybe i'll hit this 18 month two year mark where the space no longer becomes associated with the creativity uh i don't want that i don't know what that's about um but that's what happened with my office before this one uh, and every office before it so yeah just it, it has it has a window of value and then it it becomes a, a a cripplingly almost toxic environment and i i will suddenly feel the need to move somewhere else as if i've i've extracted every creative idea that could be had within this space i don't i don't know if that's normal i'm not yeah i'm not convinced uh but because i've 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 definitely always found a lot of inspiration from being out and about a lot of the the jokes that we come up with uh, or the ones I come up with when I'm alone happen when I'm traveling, when I'm, you know, on public transport or out and about. And so we had a year where we, that didn't happen. And I noticed such a significant drop in yeah productivity and, and, and idea generation, which was very strange. And idea generation is, is something that is, you know, key to creativity and with a lot of the projects that, that you do we'll we'll briefly touch on your asdaf movie series now just to get that out of the way and then we can talk about other things because i'm sure you never get tired of talking about asdaf movie um you've said that uh you went into the first asdaf movie in 2008 uh intending to create the next big viral video and sure enough it became a pretty much instant success from from day one and each subsequent episode has been 
fairly guaranteed a couple million views at least. Mm. How do you keep it engaging and refreshing from a creative standpoint and combating the algorithm and audience changes over the 14 years that you've been making them? I think I would answer that question very differently every year, you know, prior. I, I think right now I'm kind of in a state uh, with with that series where I, I, I might just answer, I, I don't. Um, I think that I, I do feel like that series may have actually officially um, passed its sell-by uh, with, within the audience in that the competition is now so fierce that the novelty of something like Astor Movie, which did bring um, sort of a unique uh, brand of entertainment that was sort of out of time, even at the point I started posting on YouTube, it, you know, it's this sort of 2000, uh, mid-2000s uh, kind of lol random humor but with a very internet-y viral video, uh, early YouTube pacing. And it was this kind of unique um, no novelty holdover from this different era that uh, yeah had a sort of stranglehold on that that style of humor for so many years. But now with the rise of, you know, things like TikTok, there's, that, like I said, the competition is, is so fierce and it, it's, it no longer holds this unique place. So the truth is, I kind of, uh, I, I mean, I don't really uh, keep it fresh. I just try to make jokes that I think are funny and, and, and feel consistent. I want to make jokes that feel like they would have come out, you know, at that same era. I'm always asking myself, you know, what would I have laughed at when I were 15 years old? And I'll just keep doing that um, as long as I think there are people that are going to laugh at it, really. <laughs> Well, in a way, Asdaf movie was sort of a, a a forerunner of short form content because it's it is short form and it, it's very clip focused. So it's it's almost a a Vine or a TikTok before they even existed. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and and so when when Vine dropped, um, you know, and that was at the time only about five years after I started doing the series, I realized, Hey, this is, that's, this is the same energy. I should really get on posting these on Vine as well. And then I realized I didn't want to, uh, because YouTube had ads and Vine didn't. Uh, <laughs> so just no, just no foresight, really just, just purely, uh, monetarily driven. Um, but yeah, so it, yeah, it was that same kind of vibe and, and that, that was, the beginning of the end, I guess, in a way of audiences figuring out they can make their own and which is good. I think that's a good thing. Um, I didn't like being the only person doing that style of comedy anyway. And almost 14 years after the, the very first one, did could you have ever foreseen the immense success that the Muffin Time uh, <laughs> as a movie spinoff song ended up becoming as this, you know, 250 million view chart topping viral hit? No, no, I, 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 you know, like you, like you said, when we first started talking about Astor movie, I did go into it hoping to make a viral, uh, you know, I was applying the things I'd, I'd learned, you know, growing up watching all of the earlier internet content and said, okay, I think I've, I think I've figured out what, what would work. I'm going to try this and, and, and it worked. I will say that was intentional. Uh, the muffin song no that was I had no idea that was going to happen and that was purely just the random chaos of Gen Z and TikTok um, you know the song came out it, it got say 30 million views which is which was great um, 
that which was on par with with the other say five songs uh, we'd done before it and this the song itself was a send-off as well I, I made the did that music video to be like okay that's that was the show I, th- I think I'm done now B- because you know I, I was looking at the metrics the analytics and I was seeing that my I felt like my time uh, on YouTube was was coming to a close and I didn't want to drag things out um, and become one of those people that's desperately trying to cling on to what they had I, I kind of wanted to call it at a time I was comfortable with and I did make that kind of series to that, that 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 music video to say all right i think i'm i think i'm kind of done and then it became the single most viral thing i've ever ever made by a huge margin and i could i couldn't stop i wasn't I, I got dragged right back in and i made so i made more i made some more uh some more Astor movies and it, it completely just kept me afloat and revitalized everything which was lovely um but you know we came to Aston movie 13 and i we we made that and i made that kind of quietly knowing that i wanted that to be my last one um i i i was i was done every every Aston movie i've made i made to try and prove something to myself you know the first one was can i make a viral video the second one was can i do it again and you know each one it would be okay well can i can i bring in uh celebrity guest voices or uh, can I make a new uh, triplet gag that people will really like? I was often posing myself a challenge with each one, and and the ultimate goal was can I make it to ten? And the answer was was yes. And then I was done. And then it was like okay, we'll go to thirteen because that's a fun number. And then I was I felt like I was finished, and I was, and I I decided I'd never announce it because I'm not stupid. Uh, I don't want my audience to go oh, okay, thanks for the YouTube channel, and then mass unsubscribe. Um, but I had I had decided that I was finished. Um, and then I made Aston Movie 14. Uh, <laughs> uh, because a, a, a game, a mobile game app said, money? And I went, ah, oh, yeah, go on then. And so I, I did that as well. And the, tr- and, I'll, and the truth is, I'll make a 15 if that happens again. If, if a brand comes along and says, can you make another one? I w- I'll d- I do it again. But it's, it's no longer a series that I, I feel a need to make to prove anything to myself. I have now proved everything that i need to prove well dovetailing from that is you know as someone who's continued to stack views across platforms and you know navigating algorithms for pretty much the entire duration of of youtube's history how do you perceive the viral video formula to have evolved over time briefly viral video is just has, has evolved and and shaped so many different ways i mean i think the first thing the first state the viral video found itself in was was that of seemingly complete unpredictability just just absolute random chaos um it would it would be anything is it going to be some chubby guy swinging around a pole and then people start editing star wars music onto it and stuff or is it going to be a, a vhs upload of a long dead cat pretending to play the piano uh and it was always the kind of these random novelties and then obviously this whole economy sprung up of people trying to crack the code and make viral videos, um, one which I was thrilled to uh, be a part of. And there became this sort of arms race to improve, to kind of catch up with traditional media, uh, for one thing. So there was this this kind of period from, you know, around about 2011, 2012, where 
the goal i think on youtube was to create really high production value content that was almost indistinguishable from traditional media and then vine came along and suddenly we went back uh seven eight years to you know shot reverse shot filming yourself wearing a mop and pretending that's a wig style comedy and audiences and a lot of creators kind of went actually no you're right this is better um it is better to kind of make content that feels far more relatable and achievable and then suddenly these these became more the new virals and tiktok i feel like largely is a continuation of that as well of, of just making stuff that feels not so much like a novelty it's not a freak show i guess like i think that's the main evolution of viral video is it went from being you know a pt barnum style freak show what's the latest weird thing the internet has to offer and is now evolved into what's the funniest thing that me and my friends believably could have made i think there's so many different facets of of of, of it but that's that's the goal is everyone wants to make something that a teen could have made every brand uh every adult and every teen is just trying to make the next big teen meme saying teen meme out loud felt gross and i don't like it <laughs> yeah um i was gonna ask where do you see the next viral video trend going but i imagine that if you knew that you'd already be on it and it's not I, I actually wouldn't um i kind of haven't been one to uh adapt I, i've watched in the early days of youtube i watched far too many of my peers uh lose their relevance and and, and kind of die in within the space trying to constantly adapt and shift their their whole ethos over to whatever the, the current thing the the youtube or the internet was saying was popular you know in in 2011 2012 youtube suddenly said we want 25 minutes of content uploaded to your channel every week and i watched so many creators completely burn themselves up trying trying to meet that quota and now sort of last year and the year before youtube said actually we want to rival tiktok so uh if you aren't make if you aren't releasing videos that are less than 60 seconds die and and then people make that shift again and the thing is it will shift to something else down the line so i've kind of always taken this approach of just not doing that i'm just gonna keep just trying to make the things that i want to make and remain stable that's i guess the, the thing i kind of offer people is you you come watch a video on my channel uh, you watch a comedy sketch and it's it's not going to feel radically different from the kind of comedy sketch i would have made 10 or even more years ago um I think I think I'm just an old man, really, just resilient to change, but not bitterly so. Just it's exhausting. I just it it seems exhausting to try and adapt constant constantly. Yeah, and I think online years are a bit like dog years in that they they age you much faster than normal life. I went to an event um, last year, um, just kind of a well, what I would have thought, what I thought was a YouTube event. Uh, it was an event we have uh in england called summer in the city which started as, as a very early youtube convention in the um uh in, in the noughties late noughties and it happened for the first time in two years obviously because of the pandemic and it was surreal stepping into it because none of the old guard were there and it was almost exclusively people who had started making videos during the pandemic whole new not just audience and demographic but 
economy that just a different crowd of, of creators and it was so strange seeing these people that were both so young they had all the hallmarks of a, of a young and new creator but they had the numbers and the, you know the viewing figures of creators that had been in the game for a decade and it was baffling and overwhelming and i couldn't help but think that these these people aren't going to get the time to figure out how to develop staying power they're not going to have the time to build a, a brand and a presence and they're just going to burn hard and fast they're going to show up be really popular and then be gone within a year and and that's the that's the real challenge that we have on on youtube is being a presence presence that sticks around and i did wonder at this event how many of these people that are here this year will be here the next year yeah 10 million followers or not yeah that's a really interesting one because you know traditional media formats you know you get into the photography industry you can do that for 25 years and that can just be your your day job and there's no fading into irrelevancy as such whereas this is such a, a unique career in that you know you could be just raking it in and then a month later no one knows who you are it's bizarre i this the turnover i think is i guess to answer your question again about what's different about virals now is i think it's the turnover i you know you you if i said name me a, a meme uh, like an old an older meme you 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 can you you'll be able to bring you know a few a, a few dozen to mind um you know the, the particular you know lol cats or um early days viral videos chocolate rain tazonde that kind of stuff and at the time when these happened, they were they were so monumental. Like you'd have a couple a year, it felt like, and they just became like what what you'd call like an instant classic. And even even with something like Vine, uh, you know, you you'd get these Vine compilations. And as the years went on after Vine, it kind of got whittled down to say like a hundred, two hundred of of the funniest videos. But with TikTok, which I think is the kind of bastion of of, of of creativity this is where it's all happening right now at least in the online video space it's not like that things memes trends pop up dominate the landscape and then disappear within a week sometimes within 24 hours and 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 then and they don't just simmer down and become you know oh do you remember that they're gone they're gone like they never existed and that's wild to me um is that turnover and the speed and how by the time you know jimmy fallon is on late night american tv uh quoting it it's it's been dead for a month already i yeah whereas whereas back in the day you know a meme would happen david would go to the dentist and he'd start screaming in his car and then he'd be on late night news while it was still the hot meme even if it had only come out if uh, a month or two ago it was still the thing yeah i just i'm over change scary uh yeah <laughs> to be articulate yes <laughs> and moving away uh for a little bit uh from youtube and and social media you've not just worked on youtube in your your career you've done you know some comedy shorts for the bbc you've created a admittedly fairly short-lived mobile game 
um, authored a couple of books and uh, have recently had a bit more uh, well, considerable success with your Kickstarter uh, for Muffin Time, uh, the card game. What was a particularly challenging aspect of uh, creatively when it came to exploring these new mediums, um, particularly a physical, tangible product of a card game? There's this episode of The Simpsons, basically, where, to summarize, Homer finds out that he has, I think, like a, a half-brother who works in car manufacturing, and his, his, his brother's like, oh, I love you, you should design your own car. And Homer approaches this project, and he, and he puts absolutely everything that he loves in it. You know, he, he, he just really goes overboard, and they reveal the product, and this car is horrendous. It is over-encumbered. I think the company goes out of business, and it ruins just everyone's lives that is the thing i'm always worried about when i approach something new um be it a mobile app game a book uh a card game is is pulling a homer in reference to that episode of the simpsons because that's what i'll always try to do i will i'll get so excited with this new medium and my naivety towards it that i will just want to do everything and that i mean the card game we released even the kickstarter was successful and the game is a lot of fun but that is what the game is is it's just i just threw everything at a game to see what stuck and you know approached it with the idea of oh we can make a card game with 200 cards and every card does something wildly different and changes the rules and is 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 very wild and wacky and could if if i hadn't shown the restraint that i did could have made something disastrous could have made a disastrous mess that broke every rule within that medium's um book uh and that's that's the challenge is controlling yourself um consulting people that know better um and compromising there's it's very rare that um it, when I'm forced to compromise, we don't end up coming up with something ultimately better. Um, so when we say, again, approach that game and I said, I want to make 200 unique and crazy cards, that was the easy part. Coming up with those 200 cards was the easy part. The hard bit was the year that followed to make that work and to now take what we'd done and dial it back and contain ourselves. And that was the same that happened when we approached... Um, uh, our little video our short-lived video game where you know obviously i wanted to add everything to it but then we had to limit ourselves to what was realistic and what would be feasible within that medium and the same happened when with one of the books that uh i made and that one isn't a success story uh i i wanted i i didn't understand the medium and i wanted to make something that was two very contrasting things which was like an adult um kind of gory comedy but a, also a kid's rhyming picture book and i wanted to marry those two ideas and i think it would have been bold if it had worked but it just didn't and i made something that just didn't do very well and so that's an example of of you know approaching it wanting to make this uncompromising thing but not really understanding the medium and failing so to answer your question the same way repeatedly in a really rambling way that um the, the challenge is controlling myself there's a lot of roadblocks along the way that everybody encounters in all all industries and in response to creative roadblocks you previously said uh in in talks that you you try and see the world as this sort of utopian kitchen where all possible 
ingredients are laid out before you, each with their own sort of potential to unstick you and take you in this new sort of direction and add this and add another flair. Can you elaborate on that analogy at all? Wow, the creativity kitchen. That's a that's a talk I haven't given in about ten years. Well, so so my, my yeah, my theory there was essentially that, you know, we all have access to things and it's all just about utilizing what we have access to with in creative ways because I think that when I guess that's another another example of what I talked about before when you want to approach things and just immediately do the biggest best thing you can with all the things you love but you've got to look realistically at what is available to you and make the most of that you know have the maximum impact with with the least resources money whatever uh, even ability um, you know, I, I want to make cartoons, but I'm not an animator. So how do I work around that? And that's how something like Astro Movie came about, where it was incredibly simplistic, and I, I could work with other people on it. Um, yeah, basically, I think <laughs> I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Um, is, is there anything? You know, you've given a lot of interviews on TV and, and stuff. Is there anything that it gets under your skin a little bit when you see these people in traditional media talking about things like YouTube and, and social media when they clearly have no understanding of the platforms. Well, they used to be, absolutely. I mean, you jump back 10 and ten or more years ago and yeah, every news report on online video was <laughs> from his bedroom in London, this guy makes how much a month? And it would, and it was just this ridiculously condescending media that was obviously made for the people watching traditional news, which is an older demographic. Um, but you know, so, slowly but surely, that shifted. If not due to just public awareness raising of of online video, but I guess just you know, every, uh, audiences aging up and it becoming kind of a no duh, like yeah, we know that YouTube exists the people we're 40 years old you know we're not not 80 um so i haven't found too much of that lately to be honest i think obviously there's still always going to be your kind of you know late night talk show novelties of the latest uh damn daniel kind of trend but maybe i'm just not getting interviewed that often to to kind of notice it um but i mean i know that bb uh, news uh news reporter in england uh, Ainsley Harriet once told me good luck with your little YouTube thing which was great uh, so I said good luck with the news thing I hope it takes off um, so you know I, the last time I got interviewed was pretty condescending and that was only about three or four years ago so maybe it hasn't got that much better yeah I think I'm just not doing as many interviews these days <laughs> but I'm also not you know the the young cool novelty to to wheel out that I used to be so that would make sense if if you want someone really jaded uh to come out i'm your guy because i think that's that that's the that's the thing is that i am uh quite weathered and jaded i try not to be spiteful i don't i i really don't want to be bitter and I, and if anything i've said has come across as bitter it doesn't mean to be that's something that i really just have no interest in being because it gains nothing but i all the romance and a lot of the kind of excitement of, of this world uh, it's not that it's gone it's just that I've experienced it um, and kind of like any um, anything that gives you a boost of uh, serotonin or, or anything it's 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 now that's the level that I'm kind of used to so it's hard for me to be like yeah and then it's great and it's really cool and it's really exciting and 
and stuff. I'm 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 more someone that's I, I'd I'd rather in my life now be someone that could help other people when they're going through that state of being younger and more excited and and help them optimize and not make bad decisions basically and and and, and keep their momentum going. Of all the projects that you've worked on, are there any in particular that uh, are lesser known about uh, or underappreciated in your books that you have a bit of a soft spot for and that you you wish more people knew about and you when people come up to you on the street and they say anything other than basically as of movie you're like no way that's really exciting that you know about that see again if i were younger i would approach that answer very differently because i would talk about you know yeah what i felt like is 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 underrated and stuff but now i i do look at it but it's like well it it was rated how it was rated. It got I get it, I it got the views I guess it deserved. Um, it's quite rare that I if if something if something doesn't do well, uh, instead of going oh that should have done better, I kind of think okay what could I have done uh, to make that better? And the answer is sometimes nothing. It just you know is not the kind of thing that's going to do very well. Um, but I think it's just a lot of the stuff that I've done on my secondary channels on YouTube. Um, that's where I have the most fun. I mean, I last year I posted, I think, four videos to my main YouTube channel, the one with 7 million subscribers. Just like four videos. Nothing. Pitiful amount. Um, on my secondary channel, however, I posted something somewhere close to about 20 uh, or, or more. Uh, and that's because I was having fun there. Um, because that pressure isn't on. You know, that channel's only got about a million subscribers. Therefore, the pressure that has amassed with my main channel isn't there. So... I'm still having fun. I'll, I'll do. I'll be more creative and I'll be more excited. I'm not trying to make a product that is going to make my career and help me pay off my mortgage on that channel. I'm just trying to make something that people are going to want to watch and that it, and that is fun. So, I guess that's the answer. Really, is just anything that isn't on my primary YouTube channel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and outside of your YouTube and everything else that that you do. When you're unwinding and you're doing things outside of work, what are some of your favorite creative outlets that keep you fulfilled creatively? There's no good way to answer this question. Uh, I think capitalism has rotted my brain uh, to the point where I don't have any creative hobbies. Uh, because if, if I do do something creative, I need to be doing it in a way that is profitable it needs to be something that i'm succeeding at that's the mentality that i'm so stuck in uh with kind of the world of, of online content creation it, you know that so i did this series last year called tryhards um where, where in each week me and my friends would try new things and i kind of did that to f creatively force my, uh, force myself to be creative in a really roundabout complex way it was it was easier for me to make an entire series so that I would paint something than it was for me to just, to just to paint something for fun. And when I painted something for the video, had a great time. Uh, and, and all the comments were like, wow, you were so good. And it really seemed like you enjoyed that. And I really did enjoy it. Have I painted since? No. No. Because it was for the video. What is this brain rot? That's something that if anyone wants to uh, know, that's something that you should try to not do 
is get stuck in that habit. I mean, that's why I don't stream video games, is because it's the only thing that I do for myself still, is is play video games. And I'd never want to stream a video game beyond the odd, the odd charity event, because otherwise I know that I will get stuck in that mindset where if I play a video game and I'm having fun, I will immediately think, I should be streaming this. I am wasting content. I am wasting potential revenue. That's the last bastion. That's the last thing that I still do for myself. And the brainworms have gotten me, basically. That's the that's the that's the damn truth. Well, some previous speakers have said, you know, like you know, just you know, walking your dogs in in nature. I know you you've got Squidge and Pink, and uh, as your your dogs, and just something about you know getting out into into nature and, and appreciating that can be hugely creatively stimulating and, and fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should walk them more. I really should. <laughs> And and not and not just because I need to vlog things, right? <laughs> well, um, we're we're running close to our our time here, so I'll, I'll wrap up with one more question, and it's one that I ask everybody at the end of uh, at the, each podcast episode. Um, an easy one to answer, a bit of an ambiguous and and broad one to answer concisely, at least. Uh, but it is simply, as a creative, what does creativity mean to you? I mean. Come on, like, you know the tone that I approach these things with now. Uh, it, so it's kind of like, what answer do you want? I mean, do you want the kind of idealistic answer? Do you want the answer I would have given when I was younger? Um, or do you want the one now uh, where I've been doing this for too long? And the, the answer right now um, would be something closer to creativity means making stuff that can pay off your mortgage, which is horrendous. What a horrible thing to say. Uh, it is creativity. Creativity is taking a skill and an ability you have and bleeding uh, it dry uh, for monetary value. Um, dance, monkey, dance. Uh, is I could say that, and I don't. I don't really believe it. Um, kind of. It, I, it's it's but it is to a degree a reality um but when i was younger i would say that creativity uh is just using the resources and abilities that you have or gaining new ones to make things and have fun and express yourself um and just spreading joy right up until the moment that you figure out a way to make money off that and then you go to the other thing uh is just you just <laughs> you go the other way and just I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to be like this. I really don't. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> it's not good, is it? It's not a good. Um, it's not a good place to be in. Creativity is something you shouldn't make money off. I think you should. It should be a hobby. It should be a release. It should be a way of you express yourself and you create things that you're proud of and that you you fill with love. Uh, and then you share them with your friends and family and no one else and you keep it pure uh, because if you start making money off it I think you end up on a track where it becomes an obligation and it becomes stressful and it becomes like every other job a job there's this phrase that you know if you love what you do You'll never work a day in your life. And that is so demonstrably false. 
the truth is if you love what you do you will work every day to breaking point because you will never log off you will never uh stop focusing uh on what you should be doing you, you, because because you love doing it it's your your obsession it's your whole life and it's your whole identity if you hate what you do then you can just do it for your allotted period of work and then and then log off and and go home and 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 not think about it but if you love what you do that's your whole life your whole personality and it will be so dominating you will work more than anyone else so it's not a true statement it's still great it's still great to do what you love but it ain't no work. It you turn the thing you love into work. God help us all. <laughs> and, then, and striking a middle ground in there, a nice happy medium is sort of the uh, the holy grail, but uh, very difficult to achieve for for many. I think the secret would be to uh, have a steady income uh, elsewhere that also allows you to have time to put time and love into things that make you creatively fulfilled i think if you that's the way that's how you'd strike that balance um and maybe have that separation but you know rich parents that would be great if you have those uh they can just pay for the, the mortgage and then you can do creative stuff and have a great time so that's the secret if there's rich anything parents. you should learn and take away from this podcast, it's get yourself some rich parents. <laughs> there you go. And if you don't have Easy. any, steal someone else's. Uh, yeah. Or marry into as a, a rich family. <laughs> as a baby, swap yourself and another baby in the crib. Yeah. In the hospital. You'll figure it out. You'll get there. Shout out to all the babies listening. They. Mm -hmm. Thanks. They are coming. Thanks that, that is the demo of this 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 uh, event, right? Yeah, yeah, we're catering cool. only to two and three year olds. So, oh wow, for that. okay. It's been a, an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank, thank you for having me. <laughs> and it's going to be uh, wonderful to see you in Iceland for the in-person creativity conference uh, in Reykjavik. Which it'll be interesting, won't it? It's going to be. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to lean into into this uh, with the talk yeah. I give. I think I can do nothing if not give something honest and yeah so maybe i'll just walk up there and just be like hello this is a cautionary tale this right. all this <laughs> well hopefully we'll see some of you who've tuned in from home uh there tickets are on sale go 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 buy some if you're interested in seeing tom and many other world-class uh creatives give a little give a little talk in iceland i'm excited yeah have you been to iceland before i haven't so this is a new one um it's... this is a very new one for me it's unreal. It's not like anywhere else on earth. So bring a camera. Who are the pictures for? <laughs> they're not for me anymore. They're for Instagram now. Maybe don't bring anything. Bring no technology at all and see if it could be a, a, a real detox. I'm going nomad style. I'll, yeah, let's yeah. do that. Sweet. Well, I'll see you there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, Tom. And uh, I'll see you in Iceland. See you around. <laughs> <laughs>